This podcast is brought to you by Templeton Press and their new book, The Christmas Virtues, A Treasury of Conservative Tales for the Holidays. The third book in Templeton's Virtue series, The Christmas Virtues is a collection of essays by some of your favorite humorists like P.J. O'Rourke, Christopher Buckley, Jonah Goldberg, and comedian Larry Miller. Edited by the Weekly Standard's own Jonathan V. Last, The Christmas Virtues features humor and insight from your Weekly Standard favorites like Steve Hayes, Andrew Ferguson, Christopher Caldwell, and some podcast guy. Go to templetonpress.org for a special discount and free shipping offer on The Christmas Virtues and all three Virtues books. That's templetonpress.org for a special discount and free shipping on The Christmas Virtues. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast and our post-debate reaction with Bill Crystal. Bill, the debate just wrapped up. Instead of asking you who won and lost, I want to ask an even bigger question. Did this debate change anything about the GOP field, where people are, or did you do you see tomorrow's polls being almost identical to today's? I mean, stipulating that these things, I seem to often get these things wrong and misunderstand what happened or what the implications of what happened were. Uh, my instinct is, and my judgment right now is, it didn't change much. I mean, it seemed like a debate in which people did pretty well. If you already were for Trump, if you were for Cruz, Rubio, I don't think you, did, you saw anything much that drove you off. I thought Trump really was pretty good at disciplining himself and sailing above the fray, except for that one or two times he got into it, really one time, I guess, with Jeb. Mm-hmm. But basically, he gave crisp answers. I really listening to Trump's last answer. I hadn't really focused on this before. Maybe everyone else knows this. He speaks in these incredibly simple declarative sentences. I think he never uses a subordinate clause. And it's quite <laughs> effective, you know, but it's effective. It's obviously right. oversimple, but you sort of think, hey, you know, he just said very clearly a few things. And so I thought Trump actually did. I'm not a Trump fan, as you know. I thought Trump did quite well. I, I can't believe if you were ready for, for Trump, anything, anything not too off being for Trump. I agree completely. I think that uh, you know, one thing I have to confess, I because of my job doing the talk radio stuff, I have to spend a lot of time in the cable news universe in my spare time. And the 24 hours of buildup for this from CNN, they talk nonstop. And I, I don't think they ever said a single sentence that can be recalled. So you have that buildup, and then you have this big event. And as you said, Bill, I mean, people said, their positions and, and they all did it fine. You know, Cruz was solid on his points and he had some tough uh, challenges for Rubio. Rubio, I thought, handled those challenges well and gave it back. I thought Chris Christie reminded us all of why he's good at politics. You know, Carla Fiorina has a resume. Rand Paul's a libertarian. I, I mean, it was, I, I think, all the hype for literally nothing, no change of any kind, no real revelations, no elucidations on people's positions other than maybe learning a little more about uh, Ted Cruz's immigration position from Marco Rubio and learning a little more about Marco Rubio's foreign policy position from Ted Cruz. And about Marco Rubio's immigration position. I guess that was the one thing that struck me. I thought the Cruz Rand Paul kind of double team on right. Rubio and the Gang of Eight might have done a little damage to Rubio. I'm not sure all the voters, you know, they sort of put out of their mind this interview. If you want to like Marco and you're kind of a hawk on immigration, you, you sort of put out of your mind that he was a co-sponsor of the Gang of Eight bill. I thought that Rand Paul and Cruz together brought that back into sort of the front and center. That might do uh, a little damage to Rubio, but yeah, I tend to agree. I thought it was pretty, they were pretty good. I mean, I, I didn't feel like watching them, oh, these are people who are going to get clobbered by Hillary Clinton right. or anything like that. I think they've got good criticisms of Obama and Clinton. And uh, you know, on foreign policy, Cruz and Rubio come at it from different angles. I think you could overdo the difference. I think a lot of the people writing about it are into having big theoretical debates about regime change and democracy versus dictatorships. I'm not so sure in practice 
that root beer and cruise would be that different on national security policy. No, I agree, and uh, they both see the enemy, and they're telling the American people the enemy that the American people already see there. So they've got the differentiation with the White House that has its you know uh, hands over its eyes. One thing you mentioned, uh, Rand Paul. Rand Paul, I think, essentially declared himself no longer a candidate for president tonight. He declared himself a guy with a different mission to ding other people, to, to hurt other people, and to attack the the foreign policy of a majority of his fellow Republicans. It was like watching a guy falling out of a building trying to hit as many other people as he plunged to the street. You know, I'm not a generally a fan of Rand Paul. And I obviously disagree with him on foreign policy. But I, guess I thought he did a pretty good job of making his case for right. his kind of foreign policy. And he did it in a pretty substantive, policy-oriented way. I do think he's going to get out of the race and probably, but he wants to run for the Senate. And I think he's sort of laying the groundwork in a way for saying, okay, I'm going to be a senator who's going to make, continue to make the case for this non-interventionist foreign policy, um, you know, spending less on defense, a very libertarian view on, on uh, national, you know, on the NSA type, uh, eavesdropping type issues and, and so forth. So, yeah, I, I kind of, one thing I was thinking about at the end of the debate was which of these people will be around for the next debate after Christmas. I'm not so sure Rand Paul will be, I guess Kasich and Bush will. I guess Kasich will certainly stay until New Hampshire to take a shot at it. But I got to say, I don't think Kasich said anything tonight to win anyone over. And I, I don't know. Some people are saying on Twitter that Bush, you know, was stronger and looked more combative. But I, I thought every time, honestly, when Bush was two thirds the way through one of his answers, I was kind of cringing a little bit and wishing that he would get out. I really wonder if Jeb Bush stays in now until until Iowa. He just has nothing to say. I mean, he can't just say over and over again, but he has to be serious. What kind of, there was a big foreign policy debate. He could have tried to get into that. He presumably knows something about this uh, on the Rubio Cruz type issues. And Bush didn't get in at all, did he? Or on the intelligence issue, on the issues, on the NSA issues. And so he just kept saying, we have to be very serious about the world. And he thought his job was to pick fights with Trump. And Trump just, I thought, sort of was disposed of Bush pretty easily. Well, uh, I saw in my Twitter feed uh, that one of the surveys of watching you know, Twitter for the night, someone said that the peak was him saying, Donald, you can't insult your way to the White House. And maybe that's true that that pinged on Twitter. But I thought the excruciating moment was when Bush tries to just lay his haymaker on Trump and Trump shrugs and goes, I'm at 43 percent. You're at 3 percent. And when you yeah. realize that you're talking about the brother and son of a president who was supposed to be the dynasty choice, who was supposed to roll over the field, and there he is getting shrugged off by a TV pitchman. Oh, it was just brutal. And for those of us who are not fans of, of Bush Republicanism, a little shiver of schadenfreude went through me, i gotta, I got to confess. Yeah, I felt more sorry than schadenfreude, but I agree I agree with the judgment, though. It was, it was, it was kind of pathetic. And I thought the other similar moment, Trump showed his genuine candidate skills, I guess you'd have to call them of a sort, when he was asked, I thought about Cruz, you know, he had said about Cruz, uh, that Cruz had, um, what, didn't have the temperament, I a guess. A maniac. But, uh, yeah, a maniac didn't have the temp- temperament to be president. And he was asked about it, he just said, nah, I think Cruz has Ted has a fine temperament. And it's like everyone just look. I, he said, I mean, he, he, Trump has written his own rules. He gets to right. sort of contradict something he made sort of a fuss about saying two days ago. On, I think it's on one of the Sunday shows, wasn't it? And now he just sort of walks it back because he's decided for whatever reason that he doesn't want to bother fighting with Cruz or he's ahead in the polls or he thinks it's smart just not to get into it with Cruz. And he just says, okay, fine, Cruz is, Cruz is temper, it's okay with me. And everyone looks at him like, okay, you know. But it, it is um, – you can see the advantage Trump has of just not 
feeling he has to play by the normal rules of the game. And and not worrying about anyone taking anything seriously enough to bother to check it or to hold him to it, as opposed to Ted Cruz, who I predict is going to get in some trouble in the next few days for trying to nuance his way past his position on what to do with the illegal immigrants who are already here in the United States. We'll see. But I want to wrap up with the – to go back to the big picture – you think about what's going on right now. You just had not just the terror attack in San Bernardino, but we now know for a fact that the policies that could have prevented it were shot down by the Obama administration. They intentionally let political correctness overcome security, and you can directly trace 14 dead Americans to a policy. You look at the uh, you know, Iran already, you know, cheat, wink, wink, cheating their way through the 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 uh, treaty you look at you know Putin not backing down you look at America it, truly you know more fearful of terrorism than any time since 9/11 then even today you had that bogus crazy story out of Los Angeles I thought there was an opportunity for someone to rise to the occasion and to make a big pitch you know to 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 have a big kind of like cinematic moment and pull all that together and I was surprised that no one grabbed on particularly that just obvious glaring political correctness over security moment Carly mentioned that I think it was like 20 30 minutes into the debate and this kind of went on with it the person who I think came the closest to having that moment Bill and you you just referenced it when Donald Trump looked in the camera and said America loses America loses here 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 we're going to win I'm going to make us winners that was the closest moment to what I thought someone particularly like a Jeb Bush they could have taken this we're at a historic moment it's not just a yawn week in politics and you I don't think anyone rose to that occasion did I did I miss someone yeah I think I think you're I think you're right I mean I think Trump tried to in his own way Cruz did a little bit I think mm-hmm. uh, I'd say Rubio who actually really knows a lot about foreign policy got a little bit uh, into all the debates because he had to defend himself but he never was able to quite step back and make a big case right. for kind of Rubio-like, what he would call Reagan-like, uh, you know, moral and political leadership around the globe, what that would mean if, if America could get back in that position. I think in that respect, Rubio would probably gain the most. If it becomes sort of who's the toughest in, the, in fighting political correctness and fighting terrorism and not making the mistakes that the Obama administration is insisting on, there, I think, you know, Cruz, you look at Cruz, you think, well, Cruz will be tough on that. He's not going right. to have, he'll, he's going to let the, D, the DHS look at people's Facebook postings, you know. So I, I think the big, the higher the debate would get, maybe the better for Rubio. And I think maybe that was a bit of a missed opportunity. I guess as we're talking here, just thinking about it, that is my, my sense a little bit, that Trump and, and Cruz kind of came out of the debate making the points they wanted to make. Rubio was fine. He, he hit back effectively. Uh, he defended himself. But I wouldn't say Rubio really articulated something right. in this debate that made you think, hey, Marco Rubio's got the vision for the future. So maybe he slips a little compared to Trump and Cruz. And the fact that no one took advantage of this moment, the first debate since the Paris attack, et cetera, to really you know, climb, kind of climb up on the pedestal and get a fresh look, I think says something about Jeb and Chris Christie and Carla Fiorina. It, the opportunity was there, and they didn't take it. So maybe it is that the class of this field really is Rubio and Cruz, and for people who like that sort of thing, Trump. And this is where we're going to be between now and the uh, and the uh, convention. No, that is a good point because then we're going to have presumably nothing much now happen, or you never know. But there are no more debates anyway until what mid January, I think. We'll go to Christmas now, and things will settle in. I think if you're, if I'm. Again, I've been there very, I am, and not just been, I am anti-Trump. I don't want to be the nominee, but I've got to say, if you're a Trump guy, you think, boy, this is the last impressions people had probably before Christmas. And Trump looked, 
if you were ready for him, he was fine. If you weren't for him, you weren't sure. He didn't look crazy, and he even made a couple of good points and seemed pretty good-humored most of the time. He got into it. The one guy he got into it with was Jeb Bush, who himself seemed like kind of a sourpuss, so I don't think you blame Trump for getting into it with Jeb. So I, I think if you're a Trump guy, you're pretty happy of where you are maybe on January 1st, 2016. And Cruz, you know, Cruz has established himself, I think, as the – as a number two, and we'll be a number three. I, I think it's pretty much lining up the way it looks in the polls uh, after this debate. Bill Crystal, thanks for joining us late night for an immediate post-debate reaction here for the Weekly Standard Podcast. Hey, thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.